Walking around town thinking about someone else It's a nice change to take the focus off myself Seeing good in things I only usually see bad Seeing happy faces where I usually see sad Women's sports is very competitive. Some of the most physically fit bodies are on female athletes. This is due to all the grueling action. They are built for intense competition. Silken Laman will always be remembered for her comeback in the Barcelona Olympics in 1992. This is where she sustained a severe leg injury. It happened a few hours before the World Championships finals while she was on the water practicing. Out of the corner of her eye, a man in a large boat, not keeping a close eye out for rowers, came beside her small rowboat and they collided. Her light leg was hit directly on impact. According to Silken, the immediate reaction of the man when he looked at her leg was instant silence. It looked as if he had seen a ghost. Silken didn't notice her injury at the time until she glimpsed at her leg. It was broken and bleeding badly, with steel in her bone. Right away, a young man from shore came onto the water to meet her and carry her back to shore. She was immediately taken to the hospital and was told she would never walk without a limp. However, her recovery was swift. She fought so hard. Everyone doubted her, but she worked her way onto the podium as a bronze medalist 10 weeks later. Well, so I went to my first Olympics, which was way back in 1984, the year, or, or I guess the summer before I came to UVic. So uh, that was 84. I was uh, 19 years old, and it was just this amazing experience. I kind of was still a kid in a way, right? And, mm. um, and then, of course, every single Olympic after that was different. So L.A. was kind of like Disneyland, and, and for me, especially at my age, and it was a I'd only been rowing less than two years, so it was kind of unexpected and wonderful. And my sister and I won an Olympic bronze medal together in the um, in the women's doubles. So I just remember that one really fondly. Mm-hmm. Um, 88 was a tough Olympics. That was in Seoul, Korea. And um, I, uh, I rode with my doubles partner at the time, Kay Worthington, and we were both, like, really disappointed. We came in seventh, and it was really hard to recover from that. Um, but then in 1990, I was... Uh, silver uh, second in the world in the single in 1991 I became world champion in the single and in 1992 kind of hoping to win a gold medal um, at those Olympics in Barcelona and uh, then 10 weeks before the Olympic Games I had a kind of near career ending accident and kind of miraculously recovered and um, with still a skin graft and a whole bunch of stuff going on in my lower right leg I went on to win an Olympic bronze medal in the, in the 1992 Olympics. And then I kind of finished my career off with uh, a silver medal from the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. After she spent nine days in the Royal Jubilee Hospital, she worked hard with her coach, Michael Spracklin, supporting her all the way. Her training 
for the Barcelona games took place on Elk Lake in Victoria, B.C. It was tough and grueling some days, as her legs made it almost impossible. But she worked back to her goal of being the roar to beat. Yeah, in fact, as you speak to me, I'm, you know, 20-odd years later sitting on my couch uh, recovering from reconstructive surgery of my leg um, mm. from that accident and from how severe the injuries from that accident were. So, mm. yeah, it was 10 weeks before the Olympic Games. Um, I was in a World Cup race in Essen, Germany. I was favored to win the gold medal. And and then life happened, and I, I was hit by another boat um, we, we collided, and their boat kind of entered the side of my boat, which was wooden, and my boat shattered, driving um, 200 pieces of wood into my lower right leg and shattering my ankle and doing damage to my tendons and a lot of muscle and skin damage. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it was pretty serious. I spent three weeks in the hospital, uh, 10 weeks before the Olympic Games. Yes. Many females in sports are an example of overcoming the judgments they sometimes face. Silken became the first athlete outside the USA to win the Wilma Rudolph Courage Award in 1997, an award given to athletes who demonstrate extraordinary courage in athletic performance. And as Silken exemplifies, a positive attitude, regardless of what others say, creates miracles. She is truly a pioneer on many levels. Well, as I said, I'm on the couch right now, and uh, I, you know, had a tendon transfer, and I have a broken ankle, and I, yet I still am able to be physically active enough to feel good. So I get on my crutches, and I lift weights with my upper body, and I go to the Craig machine, and I lift my upper body, get my heart rate up a little bit, and I go outside and on my crutches, get a little bit of fresh air, and it always makes me feel amazing. Mm. And I think that that above and beyond anything else is the most important uh, part of being physically active is that it makes you feel amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't like exercising or it's too much work or I don't have time. And I get that. I've got four kids. I have a career. I travel a lot. It's really challenging sometimes to find the time to be physically active but the return on investment is so enormous and I think it's times like this like for me when you know you're hurting when you're in pain when it's hard to get around that you realize that you're, that you're relying on the strength that you have from spending your whole life being physically active hmm. so it's an investment in your future it's an investment in in today because when you're active i mean there's just so many benefits everything from you can concentrate better you have more energy you know you feel better about yourself you you know you reduce your stress levels you reduce your blood pressure and i i think one of the things that aggravates me the most <laughs> is that we still don't take it seriously we still don't think in our society and in our healthcare system especially that exercise is important, and yet it really prevents almost every single kind of illness and ailment uh, mm -hmm. from 
you know, when my husband got rheumatoid arthritis 32 years ago, his doctor said, oh, you can't exercise anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hello, no. And he exercised every single day. And 32 years later, you know, now they're saying, oh, oh, no, no, no. Like, go exercise. It's really important to keep moving. But he intuitively knew that 32 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't, if you don't use it, you, you will lose it. And so if you want to keep your bone strength, if you want to keep mobile, if you want to not be using a walker at 70 years old, you know, yeah, there's lots of things in life we can't control. I got hit by a boat. I can't control that. I've got a broken leg again right now. Not so much fun, but we can put ourselves in a position that we're more able to handle mm-hmm. that stuff in life that just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Exercise is something that can make you feel positive. Well beyond sports, getting into a routine of exercising becomes addictive. It is a healthy addiction, and for athletes, a must. It is easy for an athlete to be motivated to commit to exercise. Youth not involved in sports have a tougher time doing this. This is where an athlete can be such a good inspiration. Yeah, I think that the um, the important thing that young girls and young boys need to see is they need to see somebody do it. Mm-hmm. They need to see somebody in their own backyard do that thing, whatever it is. It could be in track, it could be in medicine, it could be in entrepreneurship, whatever it is. They need to see somebody who looks like them, sounds like them, doing it. And right. so for me, I think... What's inspiring is that, you know what, there are young girls who still find me and they have a poster of me from like 03 or 07 or whatever, mm-hmm. and right. I sign it all these years later. And it's like, wow, it still resonates somewhat for these young people in track and field or even beyond track and field that, no, you are a symbol to us of perseverance, to, to going after a dream, after a goal. Right. And so all these young junior athletes that are coming up, I remember being them. I remember aspiring, you know, to be like Bruni or to be like yeah. Donovan. And so I think leaving a legacy is something that is, is, has always been important to me. Mm. And so, you know, I love interacting when I go to these Canadian track meets mm. with these young people because I'm like, I know what it means to be here and to dream. Maybe an even better example than high-level athletes for youth is other children on school sports teams. Most youth are competitive and want to be better than their peers at competition. This competition is one thing that drives youth. This can help build friendships and relationships. It may seem the opposite, but it is a positive thing. One example of youth inspiring other youth is Penny Alexiak. Her accomplishments are groundbreaking. In the Rio Olympics, she made a statement stating, The younger generation is ready to compete and lead the way a lot sooner than previous generations realize. Well, I think that, okay, just think Penny Elisiak, right? 16 years old. Um, You know, it wasn't Silicon Laman inspiring uh, these, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-olds. It was Penny Elisiak in these last, because she was only 16. She was, you know... My kids were like, wow, she's 16. She's the same age as me. Yeah. Or, man, she's two years younger than me, and she just won with a gold medal. And I think that, that, that is really inspiring. And we, it, it takes a lot of resources um, to get people like Penny Elisak 
on that metal podium. And it takes money, but it also takes really good leadership. And I just want to come back to that for a minute because I think we've got to figure out the leadership of sport in our country differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that, you know, we've, we've developed a, a pretty big system, but it's not necessarily an effective system. And I think we need to be a bit uh, pragmatic and uh, disciplined in the way that we look at what is really paying off in our system and what is not. Mm-hmm. And uh, just like you would in a business, you look at, you know, where are your greatest returns coming? Yes, it's nice if you have everything. And during good times, you, you can have all of the extras. But what is the most important thing? And I believe that the most important thing to great performances is great leadership and great coaching. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a leader that hires strong individuals because I'll tell you, most great coaches are strong people. Mm-hmm. And they will, they will not just nod their heads and say, yes, sir. There are people with strong ideas, strong personalities, strong vision, and the, and the people that hire those people have to have confidence and uh, be able to put their egos aside. Hmm. And I think that we have these great athletes, and that's what they deserve. They deserve great coaches, and they deserve great leadership. Silken has great insight with lots of experience on the issues of self-care. She wrote two novels, Unsinkable and Child's Place, both focusing on overcoming challenges and barriers. Her experience has shown her that our children come first and the next generation will take their place in society again sooner than you think. Yeah, so I wrote Child's Play when my kids were little and, uh, you know, I, I just I just would notice something and I noticed that, like, kids weren't playing in the neighborhoods, they weren't connecting as communities the way that I had when I was growing up and I thought, this, this is really weird and there's something wrong with that because uh, the best part of being a kid was playing outside and, and, and connecting with other kids and um, kind of knowing your neighbors through... Uh, the fact that you spent so much time together playing road hockey and capture the flag and kick the can and riding your bicycles. And so much of that when my kids were growing up was gone. So I not only wrote a book about it, but I also started neighborhood playgroups in my community. And uh, the idea kind of caught on um, in other communities across Canada. And I still, I still hear from people who are running what we call play in the park days, where families in a community come together and say, hey, there's a park at the end of our street, for goodness sakes. Why don't we all meet there Monday at 5 o'clock and uh, get to know each other a little bit, but also the, uh, the kids are active. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're running around and playing and um, having this great time. So even those kids that may not see themselves as athletes and not see themselves as wanting to play sport, they're making connections with one another. And I think the great thing about play is they're making um, also connections with a four-year-old playing with a six-year-old playing with an eight-year-old. So I was really passionate. And I think what's happened to me in my life is that everything that I learn as I've gone along in my life and everything that I've experienced, I've written about or spoken about. And and so uh, a couple of years ago, I wrote a book called Unsinkable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that, that was about what I was experiencing um, coming through another stage of my life and mm-hmm. talking about the mental health challenges that I experienced in my family and how they had affected me and, and my life. And so 
it's not so much like I wake up one morning and say, I want to advocate for this or I want to advocate for that. It's been a very organic process for me of living my life, learning, um, and then teaching what I learn. Contending at the highest level takes time away from family and friends. Your sport becomes your primary relationship. Um, I think I'd mainly just say to find something that you love and do it because it's way harder to succeed in something that you're only putting 90% effort in or 50% effort in. It's way easier to compete in something that you absolutely love and you're going to put 110 in. A career in sports with all the intense training and competition can wear the body down. As we all witnessed in Penny's Olympic race, after falling behind in the first half, she quickly shifted gears and her adrenaline kicked in and pushed her through to an Olympic record for first place. Just the fact that persons with challenges are taking part and being productive is so inspiring to see. Well, I have an autistic stepdaughter. My, 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 um, my stepdaughter's 20, and she lives with us full-time and has for the last six years. And I have just learned so much about um, having a special needs child and the kind of resources and support a special needs child needs. It's just unbelievable. She's um, very low-functioning and so needs care and support all the time. And some of the greatest... And, and the most joy she gets out of life is the sports that she's involved in, is the um, community events and, and activities that she's involved in. So when my husband and I were looking at his foundation um, at Good Life, Good, Go, Good Life Kids Foundation, and I became involved in it, I said, you know, we should be giving um, all of our granting program to special needs because even though it's more expensive to run those programs so we affect fewer kids, these are the kids that are most underfunded and actually have the most challenges around um, obesity right. and inactivity. Okay. So we, we created a sort of two-pronged uh, uh, not-for-profit, one of which runs programs in the schools that empowers uh, uh, teachers and administrators to, uh, to get kids active. And the second one is a granting program focused on special needs kids. At the end of the day, no person is treated fairly 100% of the time. That's not how life is. Success is something that is seen as critically important. All individuals are equal, regardless of their differences, their color, race, sex orientation, or sex. An example of women not being seen as equals came in 2012, where women struggling with identity trends outside of sexual norms were disqualified if they did not take a drug that will reduce their male hormone level. There have been great achievements made by women that did not get the credit they deserve and never fit the stereotype. Stephanie Dixon was added to the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame because of her ability to inspire. Her overcoming her challenges is amazing. When we look at her and truly see anything is possible. Perdita is a great example of what individuals can accomplish. 
She will go down in history as the inaugural Canadian female track and field star to become world champion at the age of 22. The youngest athlete in that race. Michelle Stilwell became the first Paralympian in history to win gold medals in two different summer sports. She is now a member of the legislature and is the Minister of Social Development and Social Innovation. She made it possible for women to take leadership roles in this country. Kiyomi has gone on to become Team Canada's rugby physiotherapist. She has earned her way in the area of the sports field that has been primarily dominated by men. Penny Alexiak is one of the great Canadian Olympians. At 16, she leads the way for young athletes and all youth, serving as a key example that the next generation is ready to lead and the future is bright. Indeed, what a future it will be if we have people like Penny to give the community direction. What is important in supporting our future is to give young girls support, time to grow, and a fair chance to develop and become all they can be. Women like Silken, as much as she means to women in sports, looks to the younger generation to lead the way. She knows how important it is for the whole community to help out vulnerable individuals. Silken will always be remembered as very important to the women athletics movement. Her success was truly groundbreaking in a time where women were judged just for being themselves. Not just the young, but the challenged. Seniors in care homes, women in abusive relationships, and women struggling to find the way in fields still dominated by men. It is great that Silken is setting an example, but we all have to do our part. So much happens behind the scenes we don't know about. This is something we need to work on, giving credit to women on a less well-known level, paying attention to things that happen, good or bad, and being more sensitive to them. What a great example these six women in sports are, from Stephanie to Michelle, who rocked the Paralympic and the Paralympic movement, from Silken Laman to Perdita Felician, who set examples, Penny, who will graduate in 2018, Kiyomi, who earned her degree not too long ago. But the truth is, there is still a lot of work to be done. We need to keep working forward to a better appreciation and seeing female athletes as equally important as male athletes. With far more fair pay and equality to reflect how elite and amazing our women athletes are. There are a few places where improvements will lead to inclusion and more fair play. Examples where we need to make changes are television and movies, a place where women are still used as sex objects, a bad example for our children. Major sports leagues, in particular fighting sports like boxing, where women carry signs in between rounds in partial clothing. Some cheerleaders' bodies get used to sell business in major sports, like the NBA. This seems normal to us right now. Was well, true 
In the end, the world will never get rid of stereotypes altogether. Women have an important place in society. We need to get rid of such indecencies, not only in sports, but in society. So valuable are their bodies and minds. They are very special. Every man should have to earn their respect. How can we believe we are decent while taking advantage of women like we do? While so strongly advertising their bodies for fun and games? Patrick Waugh abused his wife just for power. He beat her up physically and scared her so bad she committed self-destructive behavior. Because of how respected he was, he went unpunished. Some women are not even that lucky. This is an example of how men are thought of as a higher in status than women. This is one example. Violence against women's sports has been an ongoing issue. We have the potential and power to see women as well paid as men, as elite as men. This future may be in range. Beyond that, stop the violence and disrespect given to women. If we can come together as a global identity and love women for their achievements and see how truly hard they work to make us all proud, they don't have to be like Penny. They can be themselves and they are part of our community. Like the friends and family who we do look at as truly unconditionally loved. We can choose to see women of all levels and abilities for the contributing members of society they are. I hope that day comes soon. Back then, um, how important is it to fight for that cause and for women in sports? Well, you know, it's quite funny to look back because, like everybody, um, you know, I don't feel that old, right? And, and, then, and then I go back and I think, like, wow, sport really ch has changed a lot. Um, when I started sport in, in the 70s, I, I certainly remember running uh, in the streets of Mississauga where I grew up, and I was one of the only women and, and girl at that time who was running, you know, alone through all these streets and the cat calls and the guys that would slow down their car and, you know, whistle to you, and, like, that was just kind of normal back then, and you just put up with it, mm -hmm. and I think about that now, and I think, like, oh, my God, like, uh, you know, that just wouldn't happen anymore, and I think the women's, the, you know, the rowing club that I joined when I first started it, they didn't actually have a women's change room, mm. right? right? Like, yeah. can you imagine? No, that's... And, yeah. yeah, and women didn't play rugby, and women didn't play hockey, and so there's been this amazing... Um, progression and women also in rowing. We raced a thousand meters, not two thousand meters, because you know we, we the program would just take way too long if the women raced two thousand meters. And there was always these excuses why women you know had fewer events and women had um, you know shorter distances. And over time, so much has changed. We still you know we still have a long way to go. And I think the I think the place that we really have a long way to go is sport leadership. Mm -hmm. um, we just don't have enough women being taken seriously and being valued as coaches uh, in the high paying and high prestige university jobs in this country. There's far more men than women mm -hmm. in, um, you know, in sport leadership. Like if you look at the boards of the amateur sport associations, you'd be appalled at how few women are involved mm. and, uh, and, and recognized and respected and names being put forward. And 
having been on a lot of boards myself, I understand how that happens. Mm-hmm. You get a room full of men uh, who all kind of know each other or, you know, they invited somebody else on the board and they're all very capable and um, have good jobs and all those things, right? And so then it comes to somebody comes off the board, oh, let's recommend somebody else. It's after the men, you know, recommending their male colleagues and friends. Mm. And so it kind of just perpetuates itself. And so kind of only when we get to this place of taking it, like, look, we really need to change the face of sport leadership in this country by really uh, pushing that equal representation of women and men. Never spent a cent, but I have spent a lot of time Walking to my cafe and they know me by my name Will it be the usual the pretty girl says When she's a woman around town She's showing this old man how To pull the sandbags down 